So you're saved. If you were arrested for being saved, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let's talk about that. Hi there. Welcome to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. Let me ask that question again. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Hopefully the answer is yes. If not, there's a transformation issue at hand. Then that's a problem. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. See if we can't ferret out the answer to that problem. What does it mean to be transformed? Let's talk about that today here on Times of Refreshing. Once again, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Look at this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 on down. And then we're going to be going to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this in verse 11. Paul says, see what what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution, he says, for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But look at this. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, he says, and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You know, when I look at this, this is, this is awesome because Jesus, he dealt with individuals who were Judaizers. And in, in essence, what they did was is they created a system of laws and rules and a standard that was outside God's original intentions and purpose. They created this, and in fact, they have a book called the Talmud, which is a book of just religious laws that Jews are to keep, that are laws some of them outside of even the laws that God had stated to Moses. And so what they basically did was create a standard and then required that the people that were following them lived up to that particular standard. It wasn't a biblical standard. It was a man-made standard. And sometimes even in Christianity, we have man-made standards and then we have biblical standards. We got to be very sensitive about that because if we're not watching, we can become legalistic and religious, and then cause, try to cause people to live up to a standard that God hasn't even established or set. And so one of the things that happened through the cross of Jesus Christ, he did away with the requirement of circumcision. And as a result of that, Apostle Paul, he preached to these people and was telling them that circumcision, when it comes to the kingdom of God, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's not what's going to get you in heaven. It's not what's going to make you right in the sight of God. And this is why he says this here in verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, 
these would compel you to be circumcised. Then he says the reason why. He says only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross's sake. And so what he's basically saying is, is you had Christians who were telling these Gentiles, you need to be circumcised and you need to do this. And that is going to cause you to be righteous in the sight of God. And you're basically going to be living up to, you know, this set standard. And so, but they did this, why? Because they didn't want to be persecuted by the Jews who were coming after them because they weren't circumcised. They didn't want the persecution associated with aligning yourself with God's standard and God's standard alone. So this is God's standard, and I want to make you circumcised so that you also can appease these people who have their standard. You have to be very, very watchful of this as Christians. Your job is to measure up to God's standard and rule for your life. Amen? I'll read it again. Verse 12. As many as desire to make you make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised, look at this, keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Look at this guy circumcised. He's one of us. He's a part of us. But what really was happening was they weren't living up to the standard that they were requiring these people to live up to. And that's why Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. He, he dealt with them openly. He rebuked them openly. Why? Because you're putting a standard upon these people that you're not even bearing. And you're doing it to make yourself look good because of their association with you. We have to be very sensitive about this. Saints, in all things, we just want to measure up to God's standard and rule through his word. And whatever God is asking you to do, he'll give you the grace to do it. And the power to perform that. And so for all of us, we have to be very, very sensitive about this as we're growing. Because at the end of the day, what does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? Amen. We have to be sensitive about this, you know. And I'll just, I'll give you guys an example about this. Just, just in a, a natural example. And sometimes we see this in the church. Um, sometimes we see this in the church. I mean, say, just say from a woman's standpoint, say you go to a church and in the church, that particular church, they say that a woman cannot wear lipstick or makeup. Okay. And if you go to that particular church, um, you wearing lipstick or makeup is not a salvation issue. Amen? But if you begin to conform to what they're requiring in terms of this, they'll make a fair showing of that in the flesh, meaning they've caused you to conform to their, their particular standard and in some cases convince you and I or a woman that now you're living right for God because you're not wearing makeup or lipstick. 
Well, makeup or lipstick does not give you salvation. And this is what he's dealing with. You guys have created a standard, but it's not a salvation issue. It's not a salvation issue. You're not saved. Why? Because you're wearing makeup. Well, that's not even biblical. You see? Well, you're not saved. Why? Because you're not circumcised. Well, this is what they're saying. Because it makes them look good. Okay? And so we have to be very sensitive about this around a lot of things. Now, every single church is going to have their different, every church is going to have a uniqueness about that particular church. Our church has a uniqueness about it. But even the stuff that we have in place, we pray that it's, we prayed about it and God has helped us establish stuff for our house. But at the end of the day, we cannot call certain things a salvation issue when it doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It may be a preference issue, but it's not a salvation issue. And every church has to be sensitive about that. Every church has its own kind of culture, but we cannot call our culture a salvation issue. Amen? We have to be very, very sensitive about that within the church. And so he says it here in verse 13 and 14, for for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And then he says it, saints, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. He's dealing with culture. Has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Amen? I love it. And so when it comes to our walk with Christ, in everything we do, we're going to get into this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And everything we do, our boast should always, always be in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The boast, your boast should be in his cross. Now, we have to understand, when we are identifying with Christ in his cross... When you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ Jesus. You were baptized, you were submerged. You're identifying with Christ in his death, his burial, and resurrection. Okay? So when we're thinking about the cross, the first thing that we need to think about is death. His death afforded you the opportunity to die to your old Adamic nature. The old you shall not have dominion over you. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ has now become your uh, mediator, and he is your high priest, and he forever lives to make intercession for you, to strengthen you. So that as you're going through, and all of us are going through this dying out process, I am dying, and am dying, and am, will continue to die to my old nature. My old nature does not have dominion over me any longer. Why? Because of the cross. Jesus got into a human shell and showed us how to overcome the powers of our old sin nature, our old human shells, and put, the, put it to death. And then he gives us an opportunity through him to have a newness of life. 
None of us in this room have to give in to our old nature. Only time we give in to our old nature is when we come into agreement with our own nature. And the person who's tempting you to come into agreement with your old nature is the devil. And so our boast is in the cross by whom, now watch this, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I don't owe the world nothing. Don't make me shout up in here. I don't owe the world. I don't owe this culture nothing. The culture doesn't define me. The culture doesn't tell me who I am. I feel that the culture doesn't dictate to me who I am as a man of God. I don't owe. I have been crucified to the world. I don't care what is on MTV. I don't care what is on on all these channels. I don't care what is on. That stuff doesn't define me. What defines me is the cross. Through the cross, my old nature has been put to death. And in Christ Jesus, I have become a new creation. So my boast isn't in my smarts, my ability. It's not your wisdom. It's not you. Your boast should be in this, that, man, I have identified with Christ, and through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have received redemption and a new opportunity in life. That's my boast. It's not my wisdom. It's not my willpower. It's not how bad I am. It's not how fast I am. It's not how much money I have. You know, if I'm going to boast, Apostle Paul said, if I'm boasting, I'm boasting in the cross. And so for all of us, we've got to get this. We've got to get this in our hearts and in our minds because ultimately, sometimes, I want to just say this to you all, we, we got to get away from always trying to fit in. When God, through the cross, wants us to be separate. My boast is in the cross. By whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world doesn't define you anymore. The, the, world, the world can't rightfully declare who you are in the sight of God. And for all of us, we've got to understand that with the cross comes death but it also comes life. The cross is about death, but it's also about life. And so, I mean, think about this. Jesus said this. It's amazing, Carlene. He who seeks to save his life is going to lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake, they're going to find it. They're going to gain it. It's not until you're willing to lose your life that you really find your life. And it's all because of the cross. Many people are, and and what I mean by that, now watch this. You're talking to a man right here who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had acclaim. He had prestige. He had honor. He had, was respected. He met with Gamaliel. He had all these, all this stuff. When he walked through Israel, when he walked through the streets, people knew who Paul was. He said, but those things that were gained to me, I consider them but lost that I might obtain the excellency of the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not until you lose your life that you really gain your life. And sometimes that means in losing your life, embracing the cost, that there's things about your identity 
and who you used to be that are going to vanish away right before your eyes. I remember what just when I got saved. I mean, listen, saints, I'm telling you, I knew how to party. I know you knew how to party. Everybody knew. Man, where the party at? It's going down. That's part of your identity. Then all of a sudden, I wake up one day, I get saved, I give my life to Christ. And and then it's like God said, you you can't party. You that's gotta die. You you're losing that. And then people would see me on the street and say, Man, what's up, dog? You you going to the club tonight? No, no, sorry, I'm going to prayer. Well, what happened to you, man? Were you tripping? What you mean, prayer? Let's pray and then go. <laughs> what you doing, man? What's up, dog? You're not, you're not doing that no more. No, no. Man, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm trying to get right with God. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I, I'm just trying to go on. And, and then and all of a sudden you find yourself that you dying, but out of death is coming what? Life is coming because of the cross. And people say, man, what happened to you, man? Especially when you run into people that you, and it's amazing now, you know, you run into people that you haven't seen in years. Had the privilege to go to the Cal game, was on the sideline with the team and all this stuff. And we're there with University of Washington and I'm meeting my old friends and they're looking at me like. Why? Because the cross has killed something in you, but then it's made something else alive. We got to learn to glory in the cross. It didn't happen because of willpower and all these. It happens because the cross. I have been crucified with Christ. And so what happens for all of us here, we got to embrace the cross. Embrace that area and aspect of your life where God is causing you to die. It's painful. It may not feel good. It may lose friends. You want to go to the prayer meeting? They want to go to the club. We got all this stuff going on. Something is dying. It doesn't feel good, but something is alive. It's rising up within you. Embrace the cross. Amen? We got to learn to do this. And so Apostle Paul captured this. He did not, even in the midst of his religious circles, allow anything to take away or detract from what God had established in his life through the cross, even when it came to religious rules and things that people were trying to add to his life. His boast was in the cross, and we have to embrace the cross. And the cross causes us to be crucified to the world. And now Christ begins to define who we are. But I want to take it a step further. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want you to see this. Because... As you and I are embracing the cross, there is an element, an aspect of rejection, and uh, and in some cases, uh, conflict that that we're going to have to really, really understand, saints, and really embrace it as individuals. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Now watch this. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? So the message of the cross is the power of God. 
I like this tonight. The message of the cross in actuality is the power of God. When we can fully embrace the death that God is forging in our life, that we might have life through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, we've just encountered the power of God. There's power in the cross. When we talk about the cross, when we speak on the cross, when we declare what God has done through us through the cross, there's power in the cross. And we have to learn that, you know, we can teach people about, you know, all this lovey-dovey, fluffy stuff. But realize, saints, the cross is gory. It was painful for Jesus. It cost him. It was messy. It didn't feel good. And the same way in which we're identifying with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, he forges this sometimes in our lives in various aspects and areas. And we have to learn to embrace that. That sometimes the cross is going to be messy in my life. When God starts trying to deal with your attitude, and we don't want to deal with what we think is his fault or her fault or she did it or he did it or it was mama and them. Or, and God said, no, this is going to be gory, but I gotta, I'm going to deal away with that. And so but for when you start talking about the cross to people who don't know Christ, they think it's foolishness. Foolishness. I remember the first time when Pastor James Davis stood up in the, in, in the, in the, in the pulpit and he was preaching hard on, on something similar to this. And he said, I just want all y'all to know, babies. God's trying to kill all y'all. And when he said that, I was like, I'm not dying. What are you talking about? Because when he first said it, God's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill. I didn't understand. But then as I started to read, I mean, you know what he is? The old Napoleon Kaufman, God's trying to do completely away with him. So that the new me can emerge in Christ through the cross. Well, for a lot of people, that's foolishness. When you have to tell people that through the cross, through the cross, God's going to change your attitude. Through the cross, he didn't like this part of you, so he's trying to kill it. A lot of people, what are you talking about, brother? You're, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm special. I'm, I'm this. No, no, you're a sinner, and you need Jesus. Well, I'm great. You know, if I, if I could just stop this one sin, then I would be fine, brother. No, the cross has got to kill everything, bro. And what happens is, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, say it again, it's the power of God, saints. Embrace the cross in your life. Thank God for his power displayed towards you through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection and how God is trying to do something to forge his character in your life. And realize that when we talk about the cross, we're talking about the power of God. I feel a little preaching coming on me right now. We're talking about the power of God. Now, look what it says in verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world. Think about it. In all of man's wisdom, earthly wisdom, isn't it amazing how confusing the world has become? Think about it. Where is the wise? 
Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And you're listening to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman here today on Times of Refreshing. Our desire is to see you grow in Christ through the daily ministry of God's Word. And as you take time to spend with us studying God's Word, we trust you are being encouraged in Christ. You can reach out to us by phone, 925-292-7800, 925-292-7800, or write to us, Times of Refreshing, 2333 Nissan Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. You're also welcome to visit our website, thewellchurch.net. It's a great place to visit if you would like information regarding who we are, where we meet, what we're about. Past sermons are available online there, as well as our online store. And you can even get connected with us there. Again, thewellchurch.net. I would invite you to join us on either our church app, at our website, thewellchurch.net, or on our YouTube channel for our weekly message at 1030. Pastor Napoleon will share a message from the Lord just like he used to with his program, Hope of Glory. And remember to be faithful as well during this time of challenge with your giving. You can give online through our website, through the church app, or by mail to the church office. And we are praying and standing on his truths during this time and remembering that God is in control and we're praying for you. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. God bless.